Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. You know what we do. We rate and uh, deliberate uh, the most ubiquitous aspects of a variety of topics. Michael and Richard going at each other, me sitting in judgment, glaring down from my high horse. Uh, and this Ooh. week's topic is TV character exits. Is that right? Yes. You got it right. Nailed okay. it. Okay. Uh, who chose it? I did. Oh. Um, and I was, I don't know. I was just thinking, I think I was thinking about, I was thinking about certain characters and, and just the, I was thinking about television and how it's different than the movies where unless you have a franchise, you yeah. really don't think about kind of these, a character exiting or a character getting written off. Yeah. That's a very TV unique sort of thing and all the different ways that you can go about doing it you know, depending on how the creator of the show wants to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, depending on the relationship they have with the actor who's leaving and the reason that the actors are leaving. And it just opened up, I, I thought it opened up a, a, a lot of different ways we could go with the discussion. Cool. All right, Michael, what's your first? Uh, my first choice is uh, Shelley Long as Diane oh, Chambers yeah. on Cheers. Nice. Awesome. And um, she was on the show since its inception in 1982 until uh, she left in 1987 um, to pursue like a career in the movies and to pursue like a kind of a more uh, career with family. Uh, Television tends to be this thing that um, like dominates your schedule from the early part. It's like a football season or it's even longer. It's like it's like all of football season and then most of basketball season you know it goes for like nine months of a year if you're on a show that runs for you know 22 to 26 episodes as they used to as you know as old broadcast comedy shows used to do there'd be 24 seasons 24 episodes in a season and i imagine that just like the weekly and daily grind of a television show after so many years you know can get to you at some point but um shelly long as an actress was so wonderful on the show and you know the entire you know, kind of romantic TV comedy genre seemed to be like the, uh, you know, Sam and Diane, will they, won't they romance of it all. And um, when she decided to leave after the 1987 season, like it was kind of, it felt like a, you know, kind of like a, a big thing or it seemed to be a big thing. I mean, I was, you know, uh, nine. So I, what do I know how to perceive these things? I don't, but I just remembered, um, you know, I watched the show and from going from Shelley Long to um, Kirstie Alley um, seemed like such a big change in character. And, you know, I there seemed to be some speculation at the time of can this show survive without um, her on the show? You know, as much as it seems it is a show about Sam, for the most part, Sam and his followers. But she decided to leave the show and pursue her own thing. And the character itself was written off in that she had finally kind of achieved what she had always wanted to getting kind of a book deal and going off to go write her, her great American novel or whatever you want to call it, but also like promising Sam that she'd be back in like six months. And then she just never came back. He moved on. He kind of, um, did he fall off the wagon after she left for like an episode? He, um, he bought like a boat, like he bought a boat and was going to go sailing around the world um, and oh, sold the right. bar. He sold the bar to the, yeah. And then he sank the boat and he sold the bar to the corporation 
that Kirstie Alley, uh, her character, uh, whose name Rebecca, me for a second, Rebecca, Rebecca Howell. Howell. Thank you, Rebecca Howe. So anyway, so he sold the bar and then had to come back and work as just a bartender or whatever. Um, so he started. So his entire arc became how is he going to get the bar back uh, uh, mm. later on? But um, you know, she didn't show up again until the season or the series finale. You know, another four or five years later. Um, maybe even longer. I, I think she, uh, it went on for 11 seasons. She was on for the first five of it. So, but uh, yeah, so that was my first choice. Uh, Richard, do you have another um, choice in that uh, same milieu? <laughs> the sitcom genre? Well, I was going to say Cheers did kind of a hat trick of, uh, mm. of uh, character replacements because of uh, the untimely demise of um oh coach coach and then mm-hmm. replacing with woody so it's almost like uh two two characters who were replaced by by other characters who kind of fulfilled the that? same role yeah that was interesting was that? it's like the cowardly lion from the wizard of oz or something my child had run in and uh, gave me a kiss on the hand it was very sweet oh, oh nice. wow that uh, was so adorable i'm gonna get we're gonna do the we're gonna redo the casting with them though. Yeah, that's we're good. Come in with the one that has a little bit oh, yeah. more um a little no, bit yeah. more venom in the way he's more a little more sass. So with yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, we, you know, his his Q rating's not quite where we want it. He's cute. But we'll but get him. Felix we'll, is he's cute. cute. Yeah. Is he cute enough? Don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Um, we, need, we need a character that's gonna talk back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I can go with my first choice then, which is is kind of similar to that, even though the way they wrote this character off was a little more definitive than uh than with shelly long and diane chambers this is the writing off of uh, colonel henry blake on mash oh. um perhaps one of the most shocking uh character write-offs in tv history uh, mclean stevenson who played henry blake for the first i think it was four seasons five seasons of mash um had eventually decided that he wanted to be the main star of a show, he wasn't happy with being a member of an ensemble, especially when Alan Alda kind of became more prominent and it started to become more Alan Alda's show. And so the producers of the show decided, why don't we use this opportunity to sort of show the audience that, hey, this when we're talking about war, people die. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's people you love. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, his final episode, he... Gets, gets his points that he needs to go home, uh, has a big farewell with the gang. Everything seems great. Get, you know, kiss, Gives Hot Lips a big, huge kiss before he leaves. Gets on a helicopter to go out to Tokyo, and then t- their plane's going to take him back to uh, the United States. And the last scene of the season is the episode, also the season, is an OR scene, and you see Radar O'Reilly come in looking pale and like he's going to throw up reading a telegram that states that Henry Blake's airplane had been shot down over the sea of Japan and spun in and there were no survivors. And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the season. Yeah. And it really was the first time that a sitcom particularly had killed off a major character like that. Mm-hmm. Characters had been written off certainly before, but to kill off a major character was something that was, unheard of yeah 
and they got CBS and the producers of MASH got just an amazing amount of letters about how could you do this? This is not what I want for my, my comedy programming. You know, I just want to sit down and laugh. I don't want to think about, you know, the characters that I love dying. Yeah. Um, but to their point was, this is more than just, you know, MASH was always thought of to be more than just a comedy. Yeah. And they wanted to kind of show the reality of war and what, you know, what way could you do that more than uh, killing off a beloved character? Mm-hmm. And so you go from Henry Blake to eventually uh, Colonel Sherman T. Potter, who winds up becoming a beloved character and, and leader of the 4077th for his own merits. And it kind of showed that you can take it you could take a character out of this ensemble, replace them with someone else and it could work. And they would later on have to do that with uh, Larry Linville when he uh, decided he didn't want to be uh, uh, on the show anymore. So they replaced uh, him with uh, David Ogden Stiers as Charles Emerson Winchester. So this was probably, like I said, it, it was absolutely the first time that a sitcom had killed off a character. Yeah, and it's it's not something that most sitcoms will go to the well on, but you know, whether it's because a, uh, an actor died, like you mentioned, Coach on on Cheers, or whether they just wanted to, you know, sometimes characters get killed off because they're having contract issues with the yeah. the actor, sure. and they kind of almost despite them to be like, you want off the show? Great, we're going to make sure you never come back. And that wasn't necessarily the case with why they did that with McLean Stevenson. And, you know, McLean Stevenson, you know, did it work out well for him? Mm, not sure. You know, he had several starring roles in TV sitcoms in the 70s after that, you know, most infamously Hello, Larry, which was this very hype show that wound up stiffing and I think got canceled mm-hmm. after 13 episodes. And he never again did anything that was even close to the impact of Henry Blake. Other shows seem have uh, new, newer shows have made a. I think sitcoms have, for a long time, been uh, this reunification with friends every Thursday. Not, no pun intended, but this idea that you're going to be with the same group of people, and so getting rid of characters is not something you normally do. Whereas something like Game of Thrones or. Um, Walking yeah. Dead, you know, don't get, don't yeah. get, don't warm get up. attached. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like it's the way. It's the kind of the way they uh, keep keep the intrigue going for the storylines. Yeah, I, I think also like the what's interesting about sitcoms is they follow a pattern, but then at the end of the season you have to have a stunt or something like that, and it seems like a killing off a character is always. And you, you've talked about, we've talked about cliffhangers before here, but uh, yeah, for seems like there's always a stunt and that's a good time to kill somebody too. Yeah. They, uh, they, it was so shocking that in the guy, they got so much feedback, negative and positive, but you know, enough negative feedback that at the start of the next season, that at the end of the first episode, they have, they tacked on a, a bit where the, the loudspeaker guy, read off the names of the actors and the roles and basically said something like, and they'll be on for the rest of the series or oh, something like that. Something <laughs> to the point to try and reassure people that no, we're not going to kill anyone. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, um, what's your second Michael Winfield? My second choice, and I'll, I'll move this up a little bit just because you kind of mentioned it, but um, Charlie Sheen as Charlie Harper on Two and a Half Men, oh. um, where uh, Charlie Sheen was like the highest paid star on like network television for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yes, Charlie Sheen. And um, at some point he had, you know, he was on this show that I've never seen one single episode of i the only thing i understand was that he was kind of a ladies man and that he wore bowling shirts is that right i think that's the premise of the show <laughs> he was winning. yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was him and um john crier as either brothers or maybe just roommates raising uh one of their sons i don't know who doesn't really matter i this is all i need to really know about the show they lived like in malibu maybe Huntington. yeah they did i don't know i don't know <laughs> I literally don't know anything about the show other than uh, he was like killed off. The character was killed off in like tremendous fashion after uh, Charlie Sheen personally had kind of um, gone off the rails um, and been in and out of like rehab, kind of putting the show on like kind of like these intermittent breaks and hiatuses and then had come back and also demanded another like tremendous pay raise and then they did what Jeff kind of alluded to was they're just like, uh, so we're just going to just move on. The show yeah. isn't like Charlie and his son. The song is two and a half men. So all we need is one other one man with John Cryer. <laughs> That's one man. Mm-hmm. And we just get another one man. We got the half man somewhere. So then they brought in like Ashton Kutcher. Um, but like they killed him off the character kind of like off screen which is a, a great way to do it by kind of uh, indicating that he was um, pushed into a like subway platform and run over by um, a subway train. Oh, wow. Uh, but then they later uh, at the end of the ultimate uh, series, they brought him back to say he wasn't actually killed. Then he was being held captive and tortured by the person that had done it. Like some ex uh, girlfriend of his. And then he like shows up and then they drop a piano on him. What the Should heck? I kill him off twice? <laughs> was Charlie Sheen I, I also in Spin uh, City, ahead. and then Michael J. Fox took his place? Other, or other, other way around. Other, other way, way around. around. Okay. Yeah. So he usurped someone, also. Uh, yes. But not because anybody. How the turntables? Yeah, how the turntables. <laughs> not that uh, Michael J. Fox is somebody who would. I'm sure they weren't trying to get rid of him. He had plenty of justification to want to prioritize other things. So. Uh, Okay, uh, fine. I, I just love I love when a a a popular show is not above killing off the person that they are yeah popular for. I mean that's imp- it's impressive in, in, in the producers and the production companies like ability to be like, We don't need you. I have no idea whether the show was successful after this. I assume it was. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Well, there's a care it seems like Joe Rogan is in kind of that kind of spot right now where he has so much mm. Mm-hmm. power that i think well i don't know what his true sentiment is i just know what i see in the news but I, his his uh his, talking about spin city his numbers are so good that uh he probably imagines that he can do whatever he wants and still have a a platform but uh if it's a, too spin much city, trouble no for... news radio sorry oh yeah yeah <laughs> sorry he yeah, was news on news radio. radio and not spin city who was yeah. anyway who Joe was? Rogan. oh yeah 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 sorry Okay, uh, let's go with the Richard second. All right, so I'll stick with a, a similar theme, a uh, exceedingly popular character 
uh, getting written off the show in the middle of a series. And that would be uh, Chrissy being written off of Three's Company. Oh, yeah. Um, basically, what happened was Suzanne Summers got into a bitter contract dispute about three seasons. I think it was three seasons into the show because she had become clearly the breakout star, mm-hmm. sex symbol, rivaling uh, Farrah Fawcett at that point, probably in terms of sex symbols in the United States in the 70s. And she wanted a significant pay raise and the producers didn't want to give it to her. So there was a lengthy holdout and they eventually came to agreement that she would finish up one season and that would be that. Intentions were so bad on the set, how they would, how, how she agreed to contractually f- fulfill her obligations on the show was they soft wrote her character off by saying that she needed to return back to Fresno where she grew up because her mom was sick. At the end of every episode, she would get on the phone and place a phone call with Jack and Janet and they would explain what happened in that episode basically. And she would talk about how things were going with her. And that was pretty much the second half of that season. That's Mm -hmm. all you saw of Chrissy. Wow. And then next season, she wasn't back, but her cousin came down and decided to visit and stay as a roommate. And that's how they Mm -hmm. wrote, I I think it was Jenna Lee Harrison into the show at that point. And it was just this idea of, of, these idea of, of when real life kind of intrudes into a show. Because, I mean, the show probably went on twice as long without Suzanne Summers as it did mm. the time she was in there. Yeah. But when you think of Three's Company, you don't think of Jenny Lee Harrison or Priscilla Barnes or any of the, the, yeah. you know, the replacements that came in after her. You think of Suzanne Summers and mm-hmm. Joyce DeWitt and John Ritter. Mm-hmm. And it's just how delicate sort of like, you know, the, the business side of, of producing a TV show can interfere with what was a really having a good thing going with a hit show. Mm-hmm. I do wonder what, uh, what was her salary in comparison with, uh, like a John Ritter? I don't know if that's germane to the conversation, but I know women have been underpaid for, for years in, in, and that was always been Suzanne Summers' point was that she was underpaid in comparison to like what John Ritter was getting, even though she was the breakout star of the show. Mm-hmm. And it was easy to portray her as someone who is being a female, particularly someone who is out to get you know, greedy. Yeah. yeah. She was trying to get too much. Yeah. Versus her point would be just, I'm trying to get what my actual worth is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone who has a job can can understand that. Yeah. Uh, later on, we hear about like the Friends cast showing some solidarity in that aspect, and that is definitely a, a, a six person ensemble versus a three, but uh, uh, definitely a scenario that sounds like it was handled handled a little bit differently than than um, Three's Company. But, it was a, uh, God. Yeah, it was a, it was a counter offer. That they made that that, that uh, led Suzanne Summers basically doing a sick out, mm-hmm. and the producers of the show basically called her bluff. Yeah, which 
wouldn't happen today. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that the I think that television is now a stars, a star based medium versus before, you know, in the seventies, let's say, or, you know, maybe before the eighties, mm -hmm. it was definitely a producer's producer driven. The producers were the one who had all the power. Yeah. What yeah. To say. Your Norman Lear's. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you were, your producers were the stars as much as the actual stars who were on mm -hmm. the screen. And they were the ones who had really had all the control over every mm -hmm. aspect of the show. You know, now today, if a lead actor wants double their salary, and they're the lead actor and they're the face of the show, you've got to find a way to make it work. Yeah. You know, speaking of breakout stars and characters who uh, exited, do either of you have um, happy days? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. Uh, is it Chuck? It's Chuck. It is Chuck Cunningham, yes. <laughs> well, uh, the latest book, uh, Ron Howard's well, co-autobiography co with his brother, Clint, he, he does talk about... Um, being hired to do a show and essentially being told you are the star of the show. And he was the star of the show because he was in uh, American graffiti. He was a film star who was, yeah. um, I mean, uh, Tom Bosley had been in films also, um, but he was the film star who had done, who had starred in the breakout um, nostalgia movie um, that, that w allowed happy days to come back on the air after being a failed pilot and then this Henry Winkler, Arthur Fonzarelli guy, quickly eclipses him, and he he had the most. Uh, he said, you know, Henry Winkler is the nicest person on the planet, and here's this person who is absolutely grateful that he gets to work with Ron Howard. He gets to be part of an ensemble, and he's glad that his popularity of his character means that the show will be on the air and stay on the air. But he's he's mortified that he feels like he's upstaging his, his co-actors and he's mortified mm -hmm. that his new best friends will now perceive him to be trying to steal, steal the show. Um, but Ron Howard was told ahead of time that they were going to, in season two, they were going to change it to Fonzie and the happy days gang, um, was sure. going to be the name of the show. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, this is my show. This is the Richie Cunningham show. Uh, and now they're going to change, change the title completely. So yeah, he eventually found his way out of that show too. Should we just skip the halftime, halftime, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, review. sure. Right, right review. You, you guys yeah, know okay. all this stuff. Let's yeah. just get to, since we're talking talking about Happy Days, I'll just do my third and okay. just roll right into it. Yeah, yeah Chuck, Chuck Cunningham was the older brother of uh, Richie and Joni Cunningham and infamously was just disappeared from the show. <laughs> Much like a much like a Chilean, a piano, a pia a piano fell on him, yeah. and then he fell into a an old, well, old railroad. More like a Chilean sort of like a, <laughs> a rebel or something like that. He just was there one day, and the next day he was gone. No, were we no joking about it? Was it former podcast guest Moxie Labouche uh, who made a reference to? She said, "I think I don't know if it was a direct. This is the direct subject, but she said." It was like Chuck from Happy Days. He just dribbled his ball up the stairs, never to be seen from again. <laughs> yeah, yeah because, because Chuck Cunningham was the jock of the family, and yeah. he always had a, he always had a basketball. So it yeah. was it was a perfect line because it literally it's almost what they did. They what they wound up doing was sending him off to college, and never to be heard from again. Like in after a while, it was just there was no Chuck Cunningham. It was yeah. just the two kids. 
And that's happened on other shows, like Family Matters wrote off one of the daughters at one point and just sort of, instead of coming up with an explanation for why she wasn't there, just pretended that she never existed. <laughs> and I, I guess the reason why he that this happened was because the, the actor who played Chuck Cunningham, his name is Gavin O'Hurley, and he was actually Irish, which I didn't know. Oh. Which is surprising. Um, and he asked out of the contract after the half, first half season. And he basically decided he didn't have very many speaking parts. He literally was just coming in and, like you said, dribbling the ball upstairs. <laughs> and so he asked out of the contract, and which is not something most people would do on a, you know, at a, on a TV show that at the time was just starting to become successful. But it worked out for him, I guess. He wound up moving to England, was on a show called We'll Meet Again that was like a long-running sitcom, had a pretty successful screen career. He was played a lot of villains, like in yeah. Death Wish 3 and Never Say Never Again, Superman 3 he's in. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he had this like very interesting career. He was Ron Howard cast him in a part in, in Willow. He was in the pilot episode of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, so he wound up. It, it didn't wind up sinking his career. It wasn't like the actor was never hurt. The actor wasn't wasn't disappeared. Just yeah. the, just the character. Yeah. But but I'm sure there were other examples of this. But those the two I can think of are this and Family Matters, mm-hmm. where the writers I don't know if they just got lazy, man. This didn't want to come up with a didn't want to keep reminding. Oh yeah, how's your bro- older brother doing? Oh, he's doing fine. And then have that be like the only reference to him. Like just yeah. keep saying things like that over and over through the series. I, um, I imagine that well, Fonzie, know, Fonzie became when, his like, older brother. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. When a character like Ralph Malf takes off, like there's just no, <laughs> there's no coming back from that. You can't, you can't have this, the dynamic duo of Ralph Malf and Potsy <laughs> on screen. And then also expect there to be a cool older brother, you know? Just, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Only one. Only one person can be told to sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's generally pop. <laughs> All right, Winfield, you got some catching up to do. Oh my goodness! Uh, I feel like I'm playing from behind. That's okay. My team was built to, you know, that's the kind of, you know, we have a lot of air power, like a lot of uh, we can throw downfield. Yeah. Bombs. Um, I gotta have. Hold on one second. I'm scrolling through my choices, which I have no idea. Oh, uh, Michael Scott in the office. Oh yeah. Where okay. The That's show is the show is the show about Michael Scott, and then there's also these other people that happen to work for him. Um, but you know, he became such a big actor, you know, kind of following the forty year old virgin and um, uh, all of the other work that he's done. That TV became almost too small for him. Um. The actor's name is 100% slipping my mind. That's why I'm referring to him as a pronoun. Steve Carell. Thank you, Steve Carell. I'm sitting here and just all I'm thinking about is his giant bare chest with its furry <laughs> nipples. <laughs> sitting here thinking about him. But like, I couldn't remember his goddamn name. Anyway, but like, so after seven seasons, um, you know, the Michael Scott character um, got written off probably for his. Uh, for his own good. I mean, you know, he was kind of like David Brent on the original office was a chore to deal with for two seasons. And Michael Scott had kind of gotten to this point where he's just like, 
oh, he's just such a bad boss, but yeah. enduring and lovable at the same time. You know, he really walked that fine line of you rooted for him, even though he said all the wrong things. And he's just so, you know, this cringeworthy character. I mean, there's so much cringe on The Office, even though it was great. But, um, you know, you were kind of happy to see him get a happy ending when, you know, he kind of left the show reuniting with like one of the loves of his life, Holly, and moving with her to Colorado. And that was it. The office was going to go on. It was going to have a new manager. And like all offices do, you have a new manager and then everything just keeps kind of going along. Yeah. And of course they replaced him, um, you know, kind of intentionally comedically with Will Ferrell, someone that, you know, he had, uh, he'd kind of was on his coattails within that kind of group of, Anchorman sort of comedians, uh, the sort of uh, oh, who's the director that the Adam that? McKay kind of world, the Adam McKay kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And Will Ferrell came in as like this D'Angelo character for like two episodes, and then was gone, and then was and, like fired or whatever. And then it was Robert California, and then the amazing, amazing. <laughs> I I still stand for Robert California as just this totally super weird guy that was in there for like a season of like this replacement boss that was so creepy and strange and weird and so out of this world. Yeah. Um, Only to be kind of be this placeholder for Andy to kind of come in and have kind of this star turn as the boss. And it didn't really work. And it was like, I think Michael, it was one of those decisions where the show was about Michael Scott and all the people that he kind of employed and things worked in the office because even though he was kind of a terrible boss, he was oddly competent at some things. And when he left the show, the last couple of seasons of the sh- the office weren't, weren't as good because you needed that. You needed him as a character. And I think that was one of those, him being written off was probably best for his career, but you know, definitely kind of um, put the death knell in the show. Does it seem like his, the, um, if, if it wasn't for Homer, the Simpsons mm. could, could be a much more nuanced show. <laughs> There's this this big dumb anchor in the middle of the show that is always going to be this black hole of selfishness and 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 uh, like we, we got to understand what uh, what makes Michael Scott tick and and that he ultimately was is very narcissistic and selfish, but well intended and a victim of his own um, shortcomings most of the time, but. At the same time, there's the romance, the Pam and Jim romance, and even the Dwight and Angela romance, or I forget, mm-hmm. the, uh, that uh, those things had more, those things had a lot of wings on them, you know, and that we were, I think, losing so much in Michael Scott's stupidity that that maybe would have kept those storylines from flying a little bit higher, but I don't know. It's but I think I think ultimately it probably should have. I mean, I I, I didn't at some point I didn't when you know it was the you know going back to one of uh, our choice my choice earlier like when the Sam and Diane of it all getting together like when Jim and Pam got together eh, took some of the tension out of the relationship within the office the will they won't they and they did and it was like mm-hmm. maybe an inevitable but mm, I didn't need to see the brace kids I didn't. That was less interesting. You know what was interesting is um, when 
Uh, Diane left. Frazier stayed. And then Frazier mm. did this end run around all of them. <laughs> having this, yeah. uh, you know, she, uh, Kelsey Grammer played that character for 20 years, I think, all said. Um, yeah. That Frazier. When, when I went to, uh, when I was in college, I took like a, like how to write TV sitcom screenplay c- class. And the thing that people was like, uh, what you got to do is you basically, you want to write a Frazier screenplay. <laughs> You want to, uh, that's the one to, to oh, do. Spec. You got to write yeah. a spec script, a Frasier spec script, because uh, it's the best show that's on TV right now, or and it's the best, it's the most well written, it's the smartest. Uh, so we're going to work on uh, trying to write a Frasier. And yeah. I, I think I'd like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Well, can you do another? Can you do your final choice? So you have two in a row, and then. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, my final choice. I forgot. Sorry. Uh, wait, does Richard, do you have one more? Or are you I have one more. Yeah, he yeah. did two, you did two, and then... Oh, okay. Just don't argue with Jeff, okay? Just do what he says. And nobody <laughs> oh, gets right. hurt. Nobody gets written my off the podcast. Senior. I'm gonna, <laughs> Next I'm week, it's Richard and Tony. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Ted McKinley. Ted McKinley. I should not have, that, that's, a, that's a trouble with these shows that are called like uh, Three's Company and Two and a Half Men. You, you yeah. need to not have a four in there. You need to not have a number in there. Or else you're done. It's got to be like Mike and the Funky Bunch. Because <laughs> Tony and the Funky Bunch is not going to work. Uh, my last choice is um, Roseanne getting oh. written out of her renewed Roseanne show. Yeah. And it basically getting retooled as The Connors. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this, well, I don't like the way that it was written out where she basically made a bunch of, um, or at least one very specific racist comment on Twitter. And ABC was like, uh, this isn't. We're not doing this. The time for the time for this is done. For you to have like your kind of quasi or very overly heavy-handed right-wing uh, kind of racism is not going to work for us. This ABC company that is owned by Disney, um, or but that even shouldn't be a a reason to do it. It should be just because it's just a wrong thing to say, and we're not going to support this person. What I really uh, appreciate is that they were like okay well let's just get everybody back but her and let's call it just the Connors. and what we're going to do is we're just going to pretend that some of these seasons didn't happen and just pick up someplace else in the timeline it's like it's like a multi you know multiverse of madness sort of like branching timelines mcu thing where it's like okay well there was you know like two and a half seasons where dan had died what if that didn't happen? And what if they just were like, oh yeah, everybody likes John Goodman. Everybody likes these other people. Nobody likes Roseanne as like the main character. What if some of that stuff actually didn't happen and was we go in this alternate path and it was just like, here's the Connors. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's been, uh, I was shocked to see that it has been on TV for four years. That they have like 60 something episodes. And it's like, oh, that's a long time for just like a replacement level yeah. sitcom. Very strange, very strange, but like, yeah. I guess, you know, don't be it, racist. Right. It is yeah, interesting. At the end of the day. It does, it does make one ask like, what are the components that people need? And if you already have a guy like, um, is John Goodman on it still? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you got yeah, a John just, Goodman. Yeah. They just brought on uh, Katie Seagal as his now wife. Wow. Yeah, it almost seems like um, 
TV is interesting because it's almost like it's a time slot <laughs> and uh, it's a set and you got some sponsors and if everybody's happy, maybe all the, the actors don't even matter. Or if you got, you know, if it's uh, like SNL, you know, it's like this only a, a few years have they sweeped the, the floor of everybody. But uh, if you pull out a couple of these modules, if you take Pete Best out and put Ringo in, people are happy, I guess. <laughs> I think that there's an element to where there was, at least for a little while, it seemed like there was uh, an attempt by TV networks or whoever to appeal to a red state kind of conservative audience. And they're like, well, let's bring Roseanne back because she's working class and the actual actress herself is kind of uh, conservative or has conservative leanings or whatever. And, well, let's appeal to some sort of some sense of middle America. But then it's like, well, the person is going to actually reveal themselves in real time. And you can dabble with it a little bit, but at the same time, uh, you can't go that far. Yeah. You can tell, you can tell a blue, cl- blue collar working class story without, uh, you know, comparing people to um, characters from the planet of the mm-hmm. apes, you know? Just, yeah. Not good. Uh, it's not a sitcom, but um, I guess it all kind of almost is. It's Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi leaving the yeah. view. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Richard. Well, Thank my last bad. one is kind of, a, I think, a short one. It put you to bed, Jeff. I know it's, it's getting late <laughs> over there. Um, well, my last one's kind of short and silly. Uh, it is uh, Dr. Rocket, Robert Rocket Romano uh, from the. Uh, long-running show er and he Mm -hmm. was a character who came into the fourth season was elevated to a series regular in the sixth season where he comes in and he is the new chief of staff and he's just a complete asshole and everybody hates him and he was brought in to be an antagonist and he was very sarcastic and snide and kind of rude to everybody and his character arc kind of you know he eventually like i said becomes chief of staff in surgery uh, in episode not or in season nine, he has a freak accident when they're trying to get a a, a patient off of a helicopter on the the helipad, and his arm gets severed, mm. which doesn't stop him from working at the hospital. In fact, they eventually get him a robotic. They're able to sort of reattach the arm, but then he doesn't have any feeling in it, so he decides to have it amputated. And they put a robotic arm in. Yes. He eventually becomes uh, chief of the uh, ER the next season and about halfway through the season, the producers realized there's really not much more we can do with the character. So it's time to write him off. And they decided to write him off by having a helicopter fall on him. (laughs) He's standing on the helipad and there's some sort of wind shear or something, which causes the helicopter to crash and start coming down towards him. And the last thing you you see is him looking up and seeing this helicopter come down and go, not again. Oh no. And then he gets, then he just gets flattened like he's the, uh, like he's a witch from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> this is ER. Wow. Yeah, this was ER. I mean, ER had a lot of experience killing off characters yeah. in their series, so I think that this was one where they just decided to have some fun with it. Jeez. Huh. And so there's so many characters have been killed off on, especially on medical shows. I mean, I don't huh. know how many characters are left on Grey's Anatomy from the original cast. I assume everyone but Meredith has been killed at this point. Um, so that seems to be a popular medical show trope. Uh-huh. 
But this was one that was just, like I said, just silly and shocking. And I just, I just wanted to point it out. Okay. Well, let's get scoring. And Richard, I'm going to give you two points just for bookends. You started with, a, I think, a helicopter death and you ended mm. with a helicopter death. Am I right? Good one. Yeah. yeah, well, Henry Blake was, yeah, sure. He's, it was it was an airplane, but sure. Oh, okay. All right. An aerial tragedy. All right. Yeah. Um, so there's two for you. And um, uh, just because I have such an affinity for the show, and I think it's one of the biggest 80s um, character um, exits, let's go with Shelley Long, Diane Chambers. And um, uh, it's kind of indelible. So Michael Scott from The Office. So. Nice. So those are the choices. My dudes, thank you for joining. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. Sorry. <laughs> it's only it's 10 right off, let you off of right. tonight. Yeah, this has been the Mount Rushmore of character exits from television programs. I'm always... Wait, we didn't talk about Morley Safer in 60 minutes. Wait, did he exit? Mm. <laughs> I forget. And they killed him off. They dropped a helicopter on him. They dropped a helicopter on it. <laughs> but it was Andy Rooney who was piloting it, which was the twist. <laughs> ever get uh, a helicopter dropped on you? Isn't that annoying? <laughs> Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of uh, uh, television character exits. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. All right, dudes. 